I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 521 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I got an awesome guest for you guys today, and we are going to be discussing a topic that is very important. Hollywood actor Greg Ellis joins me on the podcast. We're going to be talking about the multi-billion dollar industry known as the family court system, which has been scamming families for far too long. Greg has a new book out titled The Respondent, Exposing the Cartel of Family Law. So I'm excited to have him on the podcast today to talk about this issue. You guys know how much I discuss the fatherless crisis on the podcast here, and there is no question that divorce lawyers and the corrupt family court system play a huge part in the fatherless crisis in our country. I do know from many of the messages that I received from you listeners that a lot of you have gone through the custody battle nightmare. Some of you are going through it right now. And Greg Ellis is a Hollywood actor. You may remember him. He starred as Lieutenant Commander Theodore Groves in Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean film series. You've also seen him in the hit TV show 24. But the role he is playing right now in exposing the fraud going on in our family court system is much more important. The link to his book, The Respondent, is in the description of today's podcast episode. Greg Ellis will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Greg Ellis was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, guys, and if today's topic is important to you, I would suggest you go back and listen to some of the many dads that have been on the podcast here who have been through the nightmare court system, in particularly John Goslin from John and Kate Plus 8. His custody battle became a hot topic across the tabloids. He was under a gag order for almost 10 years before it was removed. He went on Dr. Oz's show to tell his side of the custody battle. His second interview that he did was with me right here on First Class Fatherhood. I recommend you go back and check out episode 300 of the podcast. And be sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. I got some great ones coming your way here for the month of September. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit me with that rating or review. It always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Greg Ellis. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, Dad, sports stadiums are beginning to fill up once again. Concerts are coming back, and Broadway shows will be here before you know it. It's time to take your kids to an event and start making memories once again. And there's nothing wrong with saving a few bucks while you do it. My partnership with SeatGeek means that you can save $20 off your tickets by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. Let's go, dads. We've been cooped up way too long here. It's time to start enjoying sports and entertainment again the way they were meant to be experienced, live and in person. Visit SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS at the checkout and save $20 off your tickets. A gift for first-class fathers from First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Greg Ellis. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me on. All right, well, let's start it right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I have two boys, age 17 and 14. Wow, very cool. What kind of sports or activities are they into? Uh, it's been soccer for my eldest for a long time, or football, as they call it in my native England. Uh, soccer, soccer, soccer. My youngest, parkour, anything outside, climbing, jumping, uh, taking risks, and um, hopefully not breaking bones. 
<laughs> yeah, very cool. If you could, Greg, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, I've been in the entertainment business for around 40 years, actor, um, director, singer, um, producer, writer. Um, and uh, for the last few years, I've been focusing on my project, The Respondent, a multimedia child advocacy series uh, through my podcast and videocast, uh, which is exploring um, the, uh, the the concept of um, modern or positive masculinity and what it means to be a man and a father and uh, the mythopoetic, if you will. And um, through my uh, new charity, Children and Parents United, and um, from what I've seen, which is, you know, I think the biggest threat to Western civilization, frankly, today is the breakdown of the family unit and social laws and public policy stem from the health and well-being of the family. And our familial bonds and the personality of our country seems to be somewhat disturbed and, 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 and needs tending to. So I think the more that we can talk about this, and particularly men and fathers, um, the more, hopefully, the more change and improvements to our social policies and laws and uh, just how we approach family will, will come about. Yeah, listen, I love what you say there. Uh, one of the things I focus on mainly on this podcast is the fatherless crisis. I talk about it all the time. We have so many kids growing up in our country uh, without a father or a father figure. And you know the statistics. They're overwhelmingly against. Uh, and it never takes anything away from the single moms that are out there working miracles. Uh, but but the ideal, obviously, the ideal situation here is a two-parent household. And, you know, I, I know you focus on this a lot. We're going to jump into it here with your book, the podcast, the whole bit. But just right right, right off the dribble here. What do you think we could do here, uh, you know, in, in this country worldwide to strengthen our nuclear family units again and tighten these family systems? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I think you, you're part of the solution and what you're doing and have been doing for a while. We have to start talking about this. We've had a Me Too monologue. We need a Me Too dialogue or a Men Too dialogue. Fathers, parents, uh, we need, and children, we need to get into this conversation. We need to tend to the interpersonal communication skills. We need to focus on family champions, as I call them, our ships, our relationships, our, our allyships, our mentorships. Uh, we need to bring back some of the traditional old gentleman, galvanic, chivalric uh, ways, but also tend to these new uh, these new methods and, and skill sets that we, we seem to be talking a lot about. We need to be we need to be focusing on the positive aspects of parenting, fathering, and mothering, uh, and instill, instilling healthy value systems into our children so that um, you know they're not hearing these uh, negative messaging all the time of all men bad, toxic masculinity smash the patriarchy, um, you know, and and really setting the ship uh, for for a brighter future, an event horizon, if you will. Um, we seem to have lost our way. And I think we need to really start refocusing the moral compass, calling out the moral hypocrisy that's part of the social and mainstream media conversation and bring ourselves back to a reasoned civil, civil discourse and, and be agreeable in our disagreements. Yeah, very well said. And, and uh, you know, I think we've done a bad job as a culture and a society portraying uh, family life, fatherhood, because when I tell, you know, I, I used to drive a lot of Uber on the weekends and, I, and a lot of kids, when I tell them I had four kids, they looked at me like I was I had four heads. They looked at me like I was out of my mind. And it was something that they wanted to avoid, not something they wanted to embrace. And, and it was very uh, unsettling for me just because I think we, we got to get away from this traditional whenever a guy is going to get married, we tell him, oh, let's have the bachelor party. It's your last few days of freedom before the ball and chain. And, we you know, whenever a guy tells somebody that they're having a kid, you know, it's usually like, oh, my God, you're in for it. But women don't get that women get oh my god you're glowing you look beautiful you're gonna be a great mom and men they look at it like oh your life's over just wait till they're this age just wait till the threats always constantly come and we're seeing it now 
Um, you know, obviously, you know, dads that are, are women that are having kids out of wedlock is one side of this. But the divorce is driving a lot of men away from their families because they're just getting hammered over the top with legal fees. Their reputations are being destroyed and, and it becomes so disheartening. Speak to that portion of it. How much of this father's crisis is driven by the problem in the family court system? I think the dad deprived children is a great question, a great point. Dad deprived children um, are, are just by every measurable metric. They're going to fall behind at school, more likely to drop out of high school, uh, get into drugs, gangs, uh, crime, uh, teen pregnancy, online porn addiction, you name it. Uh, I, I fundamentally believe that an improvement, at least an improvement, hopefully even reform of our family law system, will will relieve the family and all, near enough all of our healthcare systems um, challenges, not all of the challenges, but a, a great deal of it, uh, mental health, um, incarceration rates. I mean, it's, the list just goes on. Um, to me, when I when I found out through the family law system through my book, the respondent exposing the cartel of family law. It is a cartel. They do engage in incentivized child trafficking, breaking up the family unit. Some of our social policies and laws, uh, which were well-meaning when they were first implemented, have been misinterpreted and are now being used. Um, by nefarious people within the legal system, judges, attorneys, uh, and the cottage industry that goes beyond that, and um, unscrupulous uh, spouses, partners, and parents uh, who use victimhood. Victimhood's become this new social currency, and its economy is booming. And it certainly is going to be booming for a long time to come unless we actually tackle this problem and talk about it. The $60 billion a year uh, American divorce machine, um, it doesn't answer to the Supreme Court. It's needlessly adversarial and promotes an uncivil war where the unwitting and unwilling oftentimes participants are powerless to stop it. That's why I call it the divorce trap. Um, that, that we have this system that 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 is acrimonious, um, that pushes people into court, that has the legal um, representatives. You legally have to have two legal representatives in the court system of family law. And the astonishing fact that I found out is that the family law is the one branch of our legal system that doesn't provide the presumption of innocence. Think about that. So criminals, terrorists, rapists, murderers, pedophiles get more rights than parents and partners and children in our legal system. That is wrong. And it should be. This should. This is a national uh, health emergency. Very few people seem to be talking about it. And the ramifications intergenerationally as our next generation come up and become the next wave of parents. Um, I just dread to think what that's going to be like for our society. Yeah, and, and it is a crisis, Greg, and, and we see it all the time. And, and I think, like you say, why don't we see more people speaking out about it? And I think it's because the money-making machine shuts them down, doesn't give them the voice or the platform uh, to express this going on out there. And, and I think I think you're right. I, I know that your book touches on this. What, what, what kind of advice do you have now uh, for, the, for the dad that's out there? I've had several dads that have been through the ringer and really gotten buried in this court system. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for the dad out there that's on the onset of this type of divorce situation, co-parenting situation? What does he do? Where does he go? How does he get fair treatment and, and, and get this all straight? Out. Well, it's highly unlikely that a, a father in the system, and sometimes mothers too, because this can happen to fathers and mothers, the system is corrupt. But it's very unlikely that the father is going to get, well, first of all, 50-50 equal shared parenting, which should be the default presumption baseline. Um, that doesn't happen. Mothers get custody, uh, primary custody of the 
80% of the time. Um, so the message that's saying by these these draconian courts and judges in family law who are still stuck in these kind of outdated gender roles where mother is the, the, the natural caregiver and the primary and only caregiver is that um, fathering and mothering isn't equal. And it's time where we hear people talking about equality all the time. Well, shouldn't there be equality in family law? We've had two states, Arkansas and Kentucky, um, at the legislative level, bring in equal shared parenting. And that means that if two people want to get divorced, if two people can't continue and don't want to continue their union, the default starting position is 50-50. So the children, which the, our focus should be on the children, have access and have time equally 50-50 with mom and dad. And if one party believes that they deserve more time or the other party has done something that they should not deserve 50-50 or less time, then they have to prove that in court. But that's not how the system works in all the other states. Um, so I think that's probably the primary thing that I would I would, I would would suggest talking about and bringing in is this equal shared parenting within family, but encouraging people as well, encouraging parents. And to your point, you know, the old tropes of, of you know, the dark humor of before you get married, the ball and chain, tying the knot uh, you know, for the rest of your life and, uh, you know, the honeydews and all of that. You know, they're fun. And, and, and I think they're, they're, they're prevalent on both sides. And there's a reason for those traditions. But marriage and family formation and particularly being a father and a mother and being a parent is the most meaningful and rewarding thing I believe that, that one can do in one's life. And I think we currently have a crisis of meaning. Uh, and you can substitute meaning with faith, uh, you know, spiritual practice, uh, religion, ceremony. I think we have a younger, many parts of our younger generations are, are, are feeling helpless and, and oftentimes nihilistic. Um, where is the meaning? Where Where is the community? Where is the sense of um, organized traditions, whether it be getting together and breaking bread with the family, which we used to do at home in my uh, home country in England, we still do on a Sunday. It's called Sunday roast dinner and everyone gets together. And yes, you argue, yes, you disagree. But that coming together and conversing and being familiar with each other is so vital. Yeah, I strongly believe that the future of this country is going to be decided at the dinner table, not at the ballot box. We, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that sits down with my family. I have four kids. The six of us sit down at six o'clock every night. We pray together before we eat. And it's the best part of my day. And I wish that we could get more families to put the onus on that and to make that the priority in their life. And I think you're right. I think now it's become the material thing. People are chasing. And I found out just from interviewing, you know, hundreds of guests here that have really just crushed it in life. Super Bowl MVPs have accomplished just great things. And they say, you know what, despite all these accomplishments has really been only true to the feeling of becoming a father that's given me any type of sense of real fulfillment in life. So uh, their testimony speaks highly to what that's all about. And I think now also, too, the, the, the woman being viewed as the homemaker kind of looks down upon. My wife stayed home with the kids, the decision we made to raise the kids while I worked. And that seems to be looked down upon in our society. Yet in the family court system, they say, oh, no, 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 no. She's the homemaker. She's the uh, so it's kind of like a little bit of hypocrisy when it comes to that. Um, so, uh, I, you know, let me bring it back to you as a dad here. Um, what would you consider to be the top values that you hope to instill in your boys growing up? Well, good question. Um, honor, integrity, honesty, uh, empathy, a good moral compass, respect for women, elders. Um, just and also, I think, you know, what, what I try to do with my sons is is to, um, you know, one of the things I used to say to them from a very early age is, you know, tell me the truth. 
like you're gonna err, you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna be naughty. I mean, kids are. We all we all have been. We all will be at times. Uh, it, you'll not get in trouble, and I won't be angry. And I think um, keeping that dialogue open, uh, and and also I think instilling some of my traditions and beliefs as a father into my sons, whilst at the same time allowing them the space uh, to to instill and form their own belief systems. Um, just because I believe something doesn't mean to say they have to believe what I believe. Teaching them how to think, not telling them what to think. Um, critical thinking skills, a reasoned discourse, being able to use your voice, but also being able to use your ears and listening with curiosity. And taking some risks. I think that's what fathers, I think, slightly different to to mothers. And I'm obviously general, generalizing here. But, um, you know, that nurturing aspect of the mother if the young child falls over. You OK? Let me tend to that. Put a Band-Aid on that nurturing. I think dads and fa- that father um the 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 hunter gatherer maybe the, the getting out there taking some risk because when you take risk there is reward um and you have to be self-reliant and how can we push that um how can we push ourselves uh further uh, to what we believed was possible and achieve some semblance of success and self-pride but i think really it comes down to integration um you know no knowing oneself so if my sons can know themselves, uh, you know, then then they'll have achieved some semblance of success and they can own that and have agency and sovereignty and become a, a good, productive member of society. Yeah, really great stuff, Greg. And I love what you say there, too. I, I think kids need both sides of that. I think they need that one to nurture and love. And I think they need one to protect and fight. And I think both of those uh, are needed. And I've had a lot of guys on the show here that have been raised by single moms. They say my mom was able to do everything for me, uh, but teach me how to be a man. And they have to find that in other places. Some some guys have found it through coaching in sports. Some guys found it in the military, uh, but some guys find it in the street. And that's what leads to all these different uh, horrible circumstances that we're seeing. So yeah, um, it takes a mother to raise a boy. It takes a father to raise a man. And I think that's the rites of passage. I think that's that coming of age. I think there are, there are things that fathering has to bring, particularly to boys, boys and girls, but particularly to boys. Yeah, I had Matthew McConaughey on the podcast, his book, Green Lights. He talks all about the rite of passage, him with his father, passing that on to his kids. And so uh, I, I think that's important. And you're getting to your book here, uh, The Respondent, obviously the podcast going along here with it. What's been the feedback for, uh, from the book for you? Like, have you been, uh, you know, hit at or attacked from uh, some of these family law practices? What's been the overall response uh, to the book and the podcast? The overall response has been extremely positive. Uh, you know, within a, a few days, it went to, it was a number one Amazon bestseller in the two categories that I would have wanted it to be, which is divorce and suicide, because I think men don't talk about their mental health. And um, so the, the response has been wonderful. Um, you know, I, I I didn't want to write the book. I had to. I didn't have a choice. You know, I um, I, I got stuck in this system. The cartel of family law showed up at my doorstep. So, you know, it's writing the book, The Respondent, was part of my sense-making therapy and recovery, if you will. Uh, I wrote it to make sense of the government-sponsored devastation of my life and destruction of my family. I wrote it to let my children and my sons know that I hadn't abandoned them. I wrote it to tell other similarly situated men and fathers that they're not alone. And perhaps most of all, I wrote it to ring the alarm bell about our broken system and call for social change and family law improvement and reform. Yeah, really great stuff. The link to the book is going to be in the description of this podcast episode. I would encourage all the dads out there to click it and take a look at it. And then what about your charity here? What was the genesis of the uh, Children and Parents United? Uh, What was the genesis of that? And what could you tell listeners about it? 
Well, the genesis was I wanted to, you know, take what happened to me. And once I realized what happened to me, my trip, my personal story, uh, and I, I talk about this in the book and I, I, you know, I talk to a lot of experts and organizations and movements who've been involved in this for decades, was to find something uh, redemptive um about about my experience and my personal story uh and 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 that's the charitable extension of the book the respondent which is cpu and really it's uh three I, i'd say cost we're, we're building out cost effective solution based programs uh that will help people people stay out of court so we have a communication cpu communication which is really workshops and programs to help promote improved interpersonal relating between partners and, and spouses. Um, CPU mediation, so we have uh, people who've worked as mediators, experts, solution-oriented intervention experts to help resolve conflict disputes. And CPU law, we're building out a law firm um, to provide legal advice and uh, support the mediation process. So if two people don't want to continue their union, um, our mediators and, and our CPU law attorneys can actually help them draw up their own agreements. And, and what we hope is that people maybe through the process will find out, you know what, they'll have second thoughts. Maybe, you know, particularly parents, this isn't the best move. Uh, maybe there is another path. Maybe we can heal and tend to uh, to um, to the, the crisis within our relationship, within our marriage. Uh, maybe we can resolve these irreconcilable differences. And the mission really of CPU is to, to promote and improve uh, child well-being by providing information and resources to policymakers, legislatures, practitioners, and the public resulting in enhanced relationships and reducing the conflict for those children and parents um, navigating our current family law systems, which again profits the legal, uh, the, the the cartel of family law to the tune of $60 billion a year. And when you, when you have a system that, you know, 4,000 children lose a parent in family law courts every day, that's every day, 4,000 children, where are they going? Who's profiting from those children? And they are being profited from. The states are making money, reimbursed by the federal governments. Why is the US the, the world leader in children growing up in single parent households? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I know we lead the world in in uh, single parent households. I know that. And what an awesome resource you have there. I'm going to drop the link for that too. And I think uh, it it can only benefit. I think all parents out there. And I, I think, like you said, we're seeing it now with even uh, sports uh, players that are now becoming their own agents and representing themselves because they're saying, "Well, wait a minute. Why don't if I represent myself, I get to keep all the money?" And we're seeing this from influencers that are doing their own thing instead of working for other companies. They're doing it themselves. And I think maybe it would be helpful if parents get a chance to do this themselves and like you said sometimes when we make these decisions and the water is boiling and we're angry we don't see our reflection and so we wait till things are kind of calm and then down the line we look back and say oh wait a minute you know we think with a more clearer head we could see a better picture uh but when in the moment when that rage is going we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel there. And then people come and they take advantage of you at your most vulnerable time, just as it does in the death of a family. They come and they can take advantage of you at a vulnerable point. And I think, uh, you know, charities like this one is a very helpful resource to a lot of parents out there. So God bless you for what you're doing there. What's next for you here, Greg? What kind of projects, uh, what kind of goals you have lined up for yourself here for the future? Well, with the book, The Respondent just came out, so I'm continuing to do press on that. Uh, we're, I'm in discussions about a documentary feature film for the book the, called The Cartel of Family Law, uh, which we hope to get made and then uh, perhaps turn that into a series. And uh, developing with a studio here in Hollywood where I am, developing uh, a scripted 
limited television series based on the book. Uh, they they actually wanted to make a movie, and and I prefer doing a, a, a limited TV series because there's so many stories. There's so many stories out there of people who are suffering through this, who are stuck in the divorce trap, um, in family law, and dealing with you know from. And we've seen it. We've seen it recently with PJ Washington, two hundred thousand dollars a month. Uh, you know, to, uh, he doesn't even see his his child, his, his son. Um, uh, there's no equal shared parenting there. So this problem can hit the PJ Washingtons of the world, the Johnny Depp's, the Brad Pitt's. Um, it can also hit the Britney Spears. You know, her problems, I, I believe, started in family law, Johnny Depp, family law. Um, you know, we have to, I think, start start um, really bringing this to the forefront and talking about the uncomfortable. And there's a lot of uncomfortable in this in this particular arena. The uncomfortable truth that the majority of domestic vol- uh, violence allegations are false, you know, um, and when you have a system where there is no presumption of innocence and you have a legal system that is incentivized to make money, uh, you know, you do the math. So, you know, what's next for me? I'm continuing to work on the respondent. There is a, a resource as well on the respondent.com called The Code, which is my compendium book, Tips and Strategies, Immediate Interventions into Wellbeing and How to make pe- uh, people, how to Help People, um, Trying to Get Through uh, Challenging Relationships or Maybe Stuck in the Family Law System. And um, that's free for anyone who buys the respondent. Um, and I'm going to continue to to start keep telling more stories. I'm getting so many stories, so many emails every day of harrowing stories, and also some uplifting stories. We have to, you know, we have to really champion the family, uh, the the family champions, the people who are actually, you know, doing some great work out there and and bringing some relief um, to to. And there are local heroes, mentors, not just on the big media stage. And I think you're one of them with this podcast. So th- thank you, and keep keep this up. Yeah, awesome stuff. Listen, in my opinion, the number one social issue we have facing our country is the fatherless crisis. And I think if we could just strengthen our family units, 90% of the problems we have would start to go away. So I'm glad you're on the front lines there. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Greg, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Gosh, that's a good question. There's <laughs> so many things I could say. Uh, the one thing that I, you know, I remember my sister, my younger sister, when she got pregnant, and this isn't an advice for necessarily dads, it could be moms too, is that first two months, two to three months, that first 90 days or so, um, my, I remember my sister telling me, you were the only person, she's got uh, twins who are now 13, you were the only person who told me that it was going to be brutal. And it is, it's almost like torture and sleep deprivation. Um is to get on that routine. And I think as a dad, I think you have to check your ego, get out of the way as a, as a pre- preparing to be a new dad and really be in service of mom uh, who's being in service for the being, the new being that's coming, to, coming into the world. And um, because it really is a, it's a pivot, it's a shift of focus. Uh, it's not all about you. It's not even all about you and your, your wife or your partner. It's soon to be about this being that needs you or and particularly the primary focus needs mom for predominantly everything. And so you're a support system. So I think it's really just checking the ego, listening to the needs, doing some good, you know, preparation work, doing a bit of reading, uh, getting the getting prepared for sleep patterns and when to step in to, to kind of tag team and just being that kind of secondary, important but secondary partner. Um, to the 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 you know the the being that's going to come into the world. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been great for me. I got to say, Greg Ellis, your first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 
back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Greg Ellis for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Be sure you go over and check out Greg Ellis's book, The Respondent, as well as his podcast. Uh, it's a hot topic that really needs to be discussed and brought to the forefront in this country. It is a huge part of the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. So uh, mad respect and props to Greg Ellis for what he's doing in exposing uh, the fraud that is going on in our family court systems. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. I got some bangers coming your way for the month of September. Find out who they are. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's Had us all feeling so